You're listening to Randall Parker's Christmas Film Club with me, Randall Parker. I say Christmas Film Club, it's all the usual stuff, reviews, emails and the other shot, but the films are all Christmas films and I promised Big Ken he could sing us all a Christmas carol. But I'm back in the bungalow and I've got Mum stopping with me until the new year. Just thought that was probably for the best. Well, the main reason being, I haven't got a fucking clue how to cook a turkey or any of the other bullocks. I've let her have my bed and I'm on the sofa, which did come as a bit of a shock for old Joe the other night when he slipped in bed next to her and she bit him on the right tit. I thought I'd record this whilst Mum's nipped down Morrison's to get all the food, drinks, sweets, cakes for the big day. You know, the big fuck-off shop you do with all the special bits and bobs. I would have offered to give her some money towards it, but I didn't want to insult her. But it's well on the way. Santa's getting ready and it won't be long before he's popping down the chimney with a fuckload of gifts. Unless you've been a right twat and you'll get fuck all. I fucking love Christmas. No matter how shit things are, they tend to be slightly less shit over those few days of Christmas, don't they? It's all about sharing time with your loved ones and being nice to people when normally you wish that 90% of the population would get wiped off the face of the fucking earth. As I said, the format of the show today is pretty much the same as always with emails, reviews and other bits, but what I'll do throughout the podcast is give you a little insight into what makes the Parker family Christmas, what normally goes on in my world. So, usually, Christmas proper starts in our house Christmas Eve morning with Mum doing a bit of baking. Well, I'll tell a lie, it used to, but increasingly over the years she's taken to getting a box of mince pies from the shop and saying she's made them. We don't let on, she never quite got the anger pastry. It's actually a bit of a bonus as A&E does get quite busy during the holidays. And here's an interesting fact. I did actually spend one Christmas Eve at the emergency dentist having some work done due to a pastry-related incident. Past few years, Mr White comes over in the evening and stops the night and joins us until day after Boxing Day. It's company for him since his wife died, but I don't think that's happening this year due to the stag-do-slash-barmaid-wanking incident. But on the subject of Mr White... He did pop round here Tuesday night and asked to speak to Mum. Luckily for him, Mum had just had two jars of pickled onions and a pot noodle, so wasn't able to move quickly with that sloshing around in her guts. He tried to explain to her that she was the only one for him, and always had been, and she knew that, and fat-handed Beryl was in the past and meant nothing to him anymore. He also explained that Stan from the Bowls Club has now owned up and says that he instigated the old thing. All he did was slip something into Mr White's drink and then paid fat-handed Beryl 20 quid to drain him off as a sort of going-away gift from the lads. Apparently they doused him up with so much Viagra he's got a permanent stonk on and he's finding it increasingly difficult to get in and out of his car. Mum wasn't having any of it. I was half expecting her to garrote him or something but she just sat there and didn't say anything which I think was probably more frightening. Then I made him a broom and left him to talk. It was quite sad to see Mr White like that. He looked so pathetic and old and I felt really sorry for him. And for a minute or two I kind of regretted sending that video to Auntie Christine from Uncle Kenny's phone. Randall Parker's Film Fact On Christmas Day, action star Mark Wahlberg alters his daily routine especially and schedules Christmas time with his family between 5.25am and 5.45am before carrying on like it's a normal day. Randall Parker's Film Fact So on a normal Christmas morning, Mum and Mr White usually wake me up at the crack of dawn and we have a nice breakfast and open all of our presents. I usually get Mum something like a nice perfume. Poundland do a lovely range of knock-off ones these days. Mr White, I usually get him something, you know, like a pen or a box of paper clips, something he can use, and he usually gives me a few quid to treat myself in the sales. 
I'd just like to say a quick hi to Kung Fu Dan who I saw coming out of Wallace Family Butchers on the R Street with his turkey. I did tell him he's running the gauntlet there as we had one from there a few years ago and the whole lot of us were chucking our rings up well into the new year. Better sort out a router for the toilet. I also saw Sharon the Vicar and a bunch of carol singers trying to raise a bit of cash for the roof fund and she tried to engage me in conversation about Christmas. You ever notice churchy people always try to drag religion into Christmas every single opportunity they get, don't they? Just seem to suck all the fun out of it. They love doing that. Anyways, I put her straight and I told her I don't believe in God and said that if God existed and created everything and anything, why the fuck did he wipe out dinosaurs and replace them with humans? I mean, dinosaurs are infinitely cooler than humans. I mean, why would you do that? And then she chased me down the hour street. Emails. So on to emails. Got a nice couple of festive ones for you. So let's dive in. The first one goes, Dear Randall, Love the podcast and just thought I'd drop you a line and wish you a Merry Christmas. We love Christmas and last night we went on the annual Lads Christmas Piss Up. Whilst talking we got onto the subject of how our preparations for the festivities were going. And Darius said that for him the best bit of Christmas was the whole build-up. The slow crescendo of excitement building up from December the 1st and the excitement he feels on Christmas Eve, which for him beats any other feeling. Sam said Darius was talking out of his arse and Christmas Day was the best bit about Christmas and you couldn't beat the fun of the presents, the time with the family, the good food and of course lots and lots of drinks. Tony then pipes up and says that for him he adored Boxing Day and the chance to unwind now the pressure of the build-up and the big day were off and it was an excellent chance to sit back and truly relax. As you can imagine, this was like a red rag to a bull, and Sam went fucking apeshit. He picked up a bar stool and knocked Tony into the middle of next week. And as I write this email, Darius is still in theatre, having shards of baubles surgically removed from his right eye. But my question to you is this. What is your favourite Christmas film? Best wishes, Danny Carter. Wow Danny, thanks for taking the time out of your hectic schedule to write in. Really does mean a lot. Now, if you go online, you'll see there's an awful lot of debate about what makes a Christmas film. Uh, there's fuckloads and fuckloads of people arguing about, is Die Hard a Christmas film or not? Well, in my opinion, if there's a Christmas tree in it, and it's set around Christmas time, then it's a Christmas film. Lethal Weapon, Christmas film. Die Hard, Die Hard 2, both Christmas films. And it don't matter whether you consider it a stain on the Alien film franchise or not, that Messabolic's Prometheus is a Christmas film. Batman Returns, that's another Christmas film. A shit one, but one nonetheless. So with this in mind, what else was it going to be? My favourite Christmas film would have to be Iron Man 3. If you don't agree it's a Christmas film, you can fuck right off. I hope that's answered your question, Danny, and I wish you and your lads a Merry Christmas. Next email goes. Dear Randall, if you attempt to fail at a task and succeed in doing so, which have you done? Many thanks. Steve Turner, Gloucester. Next email goes. Dear Randall, I think that the best bit of Christmas is the eating. The gifts and booze and the rest of the stuff can all do one. I find over the festive period I can easily put on three stone if left unchecked and last Christmas I was suffering from breathing difficulties due to the rapid weight gain. What I would love to know is what is your favourite festive food? Christmas wishes, 
David Icke. Fucking hell, three stone, that's impressive. I think probably the most I've put on is about a stone and a half, but I did manage to lose that with a couple of stiff shits. Now, you can always tell Christmas is on the way by the amount of mince pies I consume. I mean, I can't get enough of those little fuckers. I can easily go through a box of six in under a minute, and quite often do. As a matter of fact, I'm suffering from a cemented anus from consuming too much pastry and having to take some special tablets that Dr De Silva has prescribed for me. Thanks for writing in, David, and a Merry Christmas to you. Now, brace yourselves. Strange sounds from the dark corridor. That's right, the slippery to the dark corridor has sent us a Christmas email. So, being as it's a season of goodwill and peace to all men, I'm going to screw the fucking thing up and lobby to cross the room. Job done. Should we do a review? Right, so on to our first Christmas film, and it's one from 1999, directed by Stanley Kubiks, and it's called Eyes Wide Shut. Now, it is set at Christmas, so it's a fucking Christmas film. No amount of arguing is going to change that. Now, this stars everyone's third favourite short artist, Tom Cruise, and his ex-wife, Nicola Kidman. Now, Tom plays a doctor called Bill, and him and his missus are at this party, and some daft cow does some drugs and nearly drops dead. And Tom makes a better, but whilst he's at the party... He meets up with an old school chum called Nick, who now plays piano for posh people, and they decide to meet up later on in the film for a drink. Next day, Tom and Nicola are having a chat about fucking, and Tom says, I like the blokes fancy you, and Nicola says, A few years ago, I nearly wanked off a sailor. How'd you like that? Well, he don't. He fucks off and tries to get a prosy to suck him off, but chicken's out. Then he calls his mate Nick from earlier for that drink and they go drinking and Nick says he's got to play piano at a posh sex party right, with a blindfold on where naked ladies run around and everyone wears masks and a lot of them have it off. So Tom says, that sounds like a bit of a laugh, what's the address? And then he goes off to buy a mask from a weird man who tries to sell him his daughter. And then Tom heads off to the party and he manages to get in and there's a load of naked people running around and some right weird shit going down. Now, one of the naked ladies says, Oi, Tom, you're in deep shit, pal. Get the fuck out of here. But then one of the main mask fellas gets Tom and says, Take your fucking mask off. We're going to kick your head in. I tell you what, it sounds like a crap sex party to me, this does. Anyway, uh, they say, Tom, fuck off and don't tell anyone about our sex party. And so he does. Anyway, he goes home and Nicola wakes up in bed and she says, I had a sex dream about wanking off a sailor and I fucking loved it. Anyway, next day Tom goes looking for his mate at this hotel, right, but uh, the main hotel man says two blokes took him off and gave him a fucking good kicking. So Tom goes back to the place where their sex party was and the gates are locked and then this man comes over to him and says, look mate, we told you to fuck off, are you thick or something? Fuck off again. So Tom fucks off again. Right. Tom then goes to find the prosy from earlier who he wants a blowy off, but finds out from her best mate that she's got the AIDS. Tom then finds out that some woman has died, so he nips along to have a look at the corpse with an old man who says, Hey, the people from that sex party are going to fuck you up. Behave yourself and tell no one about it. So Tom nips straight home and tells Nicola everything about the sex party. And the next day, they nip off to do some Christmas shopping, and she says, Let's go home and have it off. And it sort of ends there. Now, for a film about sex parties, you don't get to see much shagging. 
Well, not as much as some of the films Ken's got about sex parties, I can tell you. Some of them are quite unhygienic, I can tell you. Anyway, now our Tom, right, he's known for doing all his own stunts in films, such as Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible 2, Mission Impossible 3, and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. But the only stunts he seemed to do in this one were walking around with no fucking idea what was going on. Bit like the rest of us. Now, Stanley Kubik's is known as a perfectionist and Nicola Kidman said that she spent 15 hours doing one scene and Stanley Kubik's made her do the scene 57 times. Well, love, if you'd have done it right in the first place, he wouldn't have been so grumpy and you'd have been sat at home with your feet up, wouldn't you? Ratings wise, I'm going to put this on a par with something like George of the Jungle as that film promises a lot and actually delivers fuck all. Watch that if you want to see Tom Cruise walking around for the entire film like a lost lamb. Feeling off subject slightly, Slow Francis knocked on the door yesterday. Now I don't know whether you know him, but Slow Francis is Fat Andy Beryl's son. And if you don't know who Fat Andy Beryl is, you haven't been paying attention, have you? Well, according to Slow Francis, his mum, Fat Andy Beryl, hasn't been home for a few days and she's disappeared off the face of the earth. Right, he was going to meet her when she finished her shift on Thursday night, but she never even turned up at work, right? So I says to him, right, there must have been something in the air on Thursday night because mum slipped the leash and disappeared for ages and when I did finally find her on Friday morning, she was covered in scratches and mud. But since then, I have noticed mum's mood has been a bit lighter. I invited him and made him a brew and gave him a toffee crisp, but he said that he preferred lion bars and he considers toffee crisp to be the retarded cousin of the lion bar. I would have pursued this further and told him to fuck off, but the poor lad was in his state. Well, since last Friday morning he's been knocking on everyone's door and asking them if he's seen his mum, and even went to the police and they didn't seem to give a fuck. Anyway, he was in a right state and he said he needed to find his mum as he was rapidly running out of fresh underpants. And he also said, uh, if he doesn't find mum, he's going to be alone all over Christmas. So, being as it's a season of goodwill, I put my arm round him and said to him, Never mind. Now, I've got a bit of a public service announcement to make. And if you happen to be in the area and fancy buying chip shop shit chatter Tommy Slippers a gift, it would be advisable to steer clear of aftershave. Some smart arse the other day gave him a bottle of brute and our Tommy drank it and later was caught in a compromising position with local flasher Sticky Mickey. So you're probably best off sticking to a knock-off Toblerone from Poundland. Films That What I Would Like To See So on to our Christmas film That What I Would Like To See and it seems at the moment it's okay to make a film sequel and ignore all the previous sequels like the new Halloween films being direct sequels to the original one and discarding all the previous sequels. So with that in mind, my Christmas film, That What I Would Like To See, is a direct sequel to the original Yuletide classic, Home Alone. And this one's set on Boxing Day after the original one, and social services come along to that big posh house and put Kevin into a care home. And he gets some of that smart-mouthed cockiness beaten the fuck out of him. The annoying little twat. And I'd call it Children's Home Alone. Films that what I would like to see. Something else about Home Alone, and for some reason I always get the impression that the dad is up to no good. 
Can't put me finger on it, whether he's embezzling someone or having an affair behind his wife's back, but there's just something niggling away at the back of my mind. Anyway, enough of that, anyway. Right, so, for me, Christmas lunch is one of my favourite bits of Christmas. Mum rustles up a banging one. Well, very rarely these days does Mum venture into the kitchen, but when she does, it's a right fucking treat. But unfortunately, no one really eats it, as usually they've been caning the satsumas and quality streets in 6.30 in the morning. She does the full works, you know, turkey, gravy, stuffing, sprouts, all that shit. Um, we always have a jar of that weird cranberry jam stuff that only insane people eat. I mean, what the fuck is that all about? Right, Christmas pudding's a treat. As for many years, Mum's bunged a pound coin into the pudding when she cooks it, and whoever finds it is king or queen of Christmas for that year. First year Mr White came round, the year after Mrs White died, right, Mum forgot to tell him about this, and he went full pelt into his pudding and burned his mouth on the red hot pound coin and spent the afternoon in A&E. Ever since then, he's not been able to say his Fs properly. After lunch, we always watch the Queen's speech, you know. We can't hear any of it, because Mum's constantly saying stuff like, "Who oh, ain't she gone old, and I bet she's embarrassed them kids, especially Andrew. I do remember one year, during the end bit, you know, where they played the National Anthem, I did a massive trump, and I got sent to bed for the rest of the day. Well, after the Queen's speech, Mum and Mr Watt would normally have a couple of sherries and then go upstairs for a lie down, and I'll get the run of the telly. They did what? Right, so on to the occasional section of the podcast, where we look back at things that happened in a film that at the time seemed okay, but looking back, are now fucking wrong. Now, today's film is from 1942, and it's what some people describe as a classic, and it's called Holiday Inn. Right, it's the story of a prominent musical act, Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire, and they have a falling out, and when Fred Astaire fucks off with the female co-star, it prompts Bing Crosby to open up a themed hotel, which only opens during Christmas. Not much of a plot, but what you expect, there was a fucking war on. Now, this film's packed with songs and dances, and it's actually where the song White Christmas came from, but we don't give a shit about that. What we're interested in is the bit where good old Bing Crosby sings a song about Abraham Lincoln with his face covered in boot polish, all blacked up like Al Jolson, looking about as racist as the local BMP councillor, Eddie Britton, that time he was posting bullshit online about the Covid vaccines being made by blackfellas to make white men's cocks fall off. Bing, mate, that just ain't on, pal. It's on YouTube if you want to check out how racist it is. God knows why you'd want to, but it's on there. They did what? I've extended the invitation to old Joe next door, and on the big day he'll be popping round for his lunch, but I've told him he'd better bring me a gift, otherwise the door stays double-bolted. Well, depending on how mum is on the day, I might text Mr White and see if he wants to pop round in the afternoon. Just wouldn't feel the same without the old git there. Oh, Don has been in the Express and Star, running her usual scam. What she does about a week before Christmas is she phones a local paper and says she's been burgled and all the kids' presents have been nicked. And there's usually a picture of her there with the kids pointing at an empty space under the Christmas tree, looking all sad and pathetic. Then all the local do-gooders start sending all sorts of stuff over and she saves a fucking fortune on gifts and it works a fucking treat. Last year she had so many she opened up a market door behind the old Woolworths and cleaned up. Christmas afternoon at the Parker family Christmas usually involves plenty of eating and trumping and we usually have to have the living room door open, you know, just to let a bit of breathable air in. As I said earlier, Mum and Mr Walsh usually go for a nap and I have the run of the telly. Tea time usually rolls round and it's funny, with all that food in the house, the only thing I usually fancy is a chicken and mushroom pot noodle and a couple of rounds of bread and butter. 
a Christmas tradition as far back as I can remember is that I'm allowed to stay up for as long as I want. But I don't want to take the piss, so I'm usually tucked up in my pit by a quarter to ten. Oh, I will just tell you this, right? It turns out Stan from the Bowls Club, who was going to be Mr White's best man, is currently in hospital after sustaining life-altering injuries in a car crash. It appears he was driving along the R streets, right, the day before yesterday, and the brakes just stopped working and he ran into the back of a bus at full speed. All of us at Randall Parker's Film Club wish him all the best. Well, basically, that's just me, ain't it? Anyway, early in the week I came back from the shops and my home help Judith was sat in front of the telly watching some crap and she said she'd been doing some hoovering but the only thing I'd seen that she'd hoovered up was a plate full of my jammy fucking dodges. She gets up and tells me she won't be in until after the new year and told me not to worry about a Christmas tip as she'd taken £20 out of that envelope in my bedside drawer. Randall's Requests Sponsored by Janet's 24-hour party services so on to our final film, and it's one requested by an Irish listener, Leo Tard, and it's a Christmas one, of course it is, and it's one called Home Alone, The Holiday Heist. Yes, I'm afraid this does exist. Now, it's the fifth film in the Home Alone franchise. Let's just say it's not great, and I'm being kind there. It was made in 2012, directed by a chap called Peter Hewitt. Now, bear in mind, this bloke did once direct Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and the highly underrated masterpiece Thunderpants. Then the poor fellow ended up churning this shit out. Now this film follows the tried and tested Home Alone formula of kids stuck at home on his tod when some burglars come to rob the gaff for some bollocks reason. But this one has a bit of a twist as it seems to be made without a fucking script. Now this family basically moves from California to Maine and they've got this big fuck off house and the mum and dad seem to be retards and their two kids boy is about 10 and a girl is about 15. They're obsessed with computers and mobile phones. Well, it turns out that the house used to belong to some old wanker who ran an illegal drinking den at the house and had some dead expensive stolen painting in a big fuck-off safe in the basement. Anyway, some shit robbers want to break in and steal the painting and they're fucking shit at it. Anyway, the mum and dad fuck off to a party and somehow the girl manages to get locked in the safe, which is actually a big fuck-off room. Anyway, the robbers try to break in and the kid manages to rig up a load of shit traps and beat the fuck out of a lot of them and become a fucking hero. I was kind of hoping that this would be the entry in the Home Alone franchise where the baddies won. But, now that was too much to ask, wasn't it? So to call this film fucking shit would be an insult to shit. Ratings-wise, I'm going to put this on a par with Christopher Nolan's Interstellar as it was something we didn't ask for or need, but we got nonetheless. That was Home Alone, The Holiday Heist. Watch that if you want to see the carcass of a once popular franchise have whatever life it had left in it, fucked out of it. Randall's Requests. Sponsored by Janet's 24-hour party services. Quick shout-out to the team at White and Bailey Fabrication. I'd like to take the opportunity to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I got a letter the other day in the post saying that the health and safety inquest into the death of Robot Robert has been set for February the 21st and I'm going to be called on to give evidence. So if I don't see you before then, we'll have a bit of a catch-up when we meet. Randall's Classics Right, so on to Randall's Classics for this week where I recommend a classic film that you should watch. Well, this week I'm going to recommend a series of films which aren't really Christmas films but do sort of feel Christmassy. Come to think of it, Christmas is in some of these, so forget that last bit. Anyway, last year, Mum bought me the Harry Potter collection on DVD. Didn't ask for it, she just treated me to it. 
Yeah, I do know they're on ITV practically every Sunday, but it's nice to have the choice when you want to watch them, isn't it? Now, a little tip for you fellas out there. I do tend to steer clear of the early ones. No one wants to be classed as a pervert for lusting after the main witch girl, do they? But a little while ago, I did do a few sums, and she would have turned 16 around about the 15th of April 2006. So that was when they were making the fifth one. So any of the films after halfway through that one, and I think you're on safe ground. So for this week's Randall's Recommends, I'm recommending the Harry Potter films, but about one hour, ten minutes into Order of the Phoenix onwards. Get them watched. Randall's Classics. Right, so a while ago, I promised Big Ken, you know, the bloke who does me jingles, that if this podcast made it to Christmas, that I'd let him sing you all a Christmas carol. He loves singing, does Ken, which is odd, because he's shit at it, and he tells me he's learned a bit on piano especially. God knows why he's bothered, really. So we've got that coming up in a second, and I've stuck that at the end so you don't have to listen if you don't want. Well, that's about it for my Christmas edition of Film Club. I'd like to wish you all a Merry Christmas and hope you have a good one. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Film Club. It really does mean a lot to me. And I'll be back in the new year with more film reviews and the usual mess of bollocks. Ta-ra for a bit, and take it away, Big Ken. Jesus, I sleep.